We brought the uh, dude sweater today. You know how Notre Dame oh, wears the green jerseys on special occasions? Well, we break out the Oh, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it, wherever Aaron yeah. goes, his friends uh, give him dude sweaters. So he's got like a closet. <laughs> so when uh, he came here, someone gave him one and he left it with us. So Yeah. That way, the next time he visits, he doesn't have to bring a new one. He can just, you know, right here. It's always waiting. I couldn't wear that one over the dude sweater I was already wearing. Exactly. You can double dude. (laughs) You can double dude. (laughs) I feel like you've just coined a term. (laughs) All right. I'm okay with that. Uh, Just so you know, Rod, our monitor is a 55-inch TV uh, that's like up here. And then our camera is down here. So if it seems like we're not, you know, paying attention eye contact wise, yes, um, yes. it's because we're checking our hair. <laughs> I do that frequently, actually. So make sure none's, none's growing. <laughs> yeah, that's some shows up. Well, I'll tell you, I had a little bit of a female pattern baldness going on in the front. So I, uh, I bought Rogaine because, yeah, I'm that vain. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, and I it think it worked. It, it does. Works. Yeah, I uh, I actually tried that uh, the pill Propecia for a while, and it worked really well. And uh, and then they told me that um, well, I mean, it was like I don't know, it was like a buck and a half a day for the pill. And I thought, eh, am I that vain? Probably not. And then they told me that there were other um, side effects that came with the Propecia that were more male involved. And I thought, you know what, I'm not that vain. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I need to take chances down more. there. Yeah, I mean, no. you look fine. If you're really worried about it, wig up. Yeah. I've thought about going to Lex Luthor route now and then, you know, just having a few <laughs> on the side just for fun. But uh, my son paid me the the best compliment. He just turned 21 and he told me and he has the thick, crazy, you know, it, it looks like very 80s and feathered. And, and he told me one uh, day, he says, yeah, he says, at least you have a good you look good bald. So he says, yeah. and, you know, if I ever go bald, at least I know I I know what to look forward to. And I thought, mm-hmm. man, when your kid can say that, you're very cool. You're OK. And, and my aunt just turned 75. Uh, and she's like my doppelganger, just 19 years older. So yeah, I'm 56. Uh, so I know what I'm going to look like at 75 and I'm okay with it. So our stalkers out there going, okay, 56 (laughs) date of birth, you know, that's fine. That's another one. 10, 23. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we have a lot of weird owl in the first place. Great music. Okay. He and I share a birth date. That's cool. That's very got cool. there first. Ryan got that. Ryan Reynolds got there after, but we still share a birthday. So actually, I uh, I got to I got to meet him when I was working out in Hollywood, and Ooh, um, really? he uh, his middle name is Rodney. So we we <laughs> gelled on that because uh, yeah. Yeah, Ryan Rodney Reynolds, and my birth name was supposed to be Ryan. Um, uh-huh. Back in '68, when I was born, they would take the babies from the mom and take them to that. You know that there was that room where they would take all the babies and have the the little glass. You know, I, I forget, but they they yeah, the, have the them all in like a viewing room. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And um, they, uh, my mom went to visit the hospital a couple of weeks before I was born, and there were six Ryans in the viewing room and she said nope not going with that so not she went it. with rodney richard my my dad's name is uh, is richard so they went with rodney richard it was going to be ryan richard i don't know where the rodney came from actually i do um if you've ever seen peyton place uh my mom yeah. had a huge crush on uh ryan o'neill and um 
So she named me after Ryan O'Neill and uh, or his character, Rodney. So right. That's cool. I saw him on Tonight Show one time mm-hmm. and he was on with Farah. And man, he was really spacey at that time. Yeah. I mean, they both kind of went into orbit together, I think. Oh, I think they were on some drugs. Yeah. But he, very good they actor. They went through yeah. a, a special, uh, you know, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were living large in Hollywood, I think. For- no doubt. If anyone noticed, but there is now a light highlighting um, Philip's work. Every week, every time we have a podcast, he sets up this divider, room divider, um, to showcase some of our, you know, stuff. Like, for instance, there's a stress test. Right. Uh, that's a book we've done. Summer's Almost Gone. That, that represents JT. Uh, who's been on multiple times. All the books um, that people have been, been putting uh, was a poetry there. lady. Um, we got Weird Al. We got Aaron represented. And there's some books behind the dude. Um, Reagan, you're now known as Poetry Lady. Yeah, it's Reagan. Poetry. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, Re- Reagan. Reagan Truha. Yeah, I'm on medication that affects my memory. Yeah. So. We're lucky when we get to guess that's on today, right? You know, that affects my short-term memory. So I was going to say age just does that to me, but um, yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) Well, it's both. I guess guess you, you, Phil, and I are all born the same year, so yeah, it's a double dude for me. I'm I'm the oldest in the room again. Can't you people invite someone on who's older than me, please? And by the way, I love the shirt. The Griswold family vacation. Oh, That's nice. Yep. I I actually have on the side a playlist, uh, it, and it's it's based on one of my characters that I I had to do we it got, anyway. We got Holiday Roads in the book. Seriously. I have a playlist uh, with fifty five versions of Holiday Road done by different oh. artists, oh, and man. it's it's a it's a gag because my kids and I every time we take a road trip we'll play Holiday Road as we start the car and mm-hmm. leave. It's just kind of a tradition, and um, so I made a playlist with fifty five versions, and it's, excellent. Kind of ribbing at a character in one of my books, but it's uh, yeah. so the, one in the movie is Lindsay Buckingham, right? What's that? The Holiday Road in uh, the movie is Lindsay Buckingham. Yeah, yeah. There's and there's actually two versions. There's a live and a regular by him, and then a studio and a live, and then there's. Uh, um, I, I the always thought that was Kenny Loggins. You know, I could hear him doing a Holiday Road. Now that it, now that you say that, that would be that's yeah, kind of on I, my I, wish list. All my now. life, I thought that was Kenny Loggins. I think, well, it, you know it's, what? It's I, Lindsay Buckingham. That's awesome. It is Lindsay Buckingham. I'm like 90%. I would not be um, shocked if you. Well, if that's, <laughs> a no, I've, you, that's a double. I never, yeah. you know, I, I don't think I ever really looked into it. It was just, you know, on every time vacation would play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's definitely Lindsay Buckingham, but I can see where you'd say that. There's so many songs I've done that with. It's yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there's such a brilliance with the vacation movies. Um, and I, and I often think I like, I like the new one with Rusty. Yeah. And and the biggest thing in that is when he's looking through the photo album. And what I love about it is all the little group family photos are of the actors from that movie. So it's yeah. like they look totally different yeah. in his picture, uh-huh. but it's still his. The gag head, is that they're know, totally yeah. flights on that. They're like, yeah. you know, that's the, the meta joke there. Yeah. Kids are completely yeah. different people. Yeah, I hardly even recognize you there, Rusty. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. been a running gag for years. I, I yeah. like the I liked your Fletch paragraph that was in Endgame too. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, you caught that. Yeah, well, I, I, I I'm gonna say this. Uh, uh, well, let's let's go ahead and get started. Um, sure. This week we're talking to Rod Garcia, 
Uh, Endgame is the book that we're talking about. It's a neuro reality gaming um, book. Story. Uh, yeah, yeah, he is. Um, his wife is a CEO of his company, Epiphany. Epiphany Mall. Yeah. Yep. Epiphany Mall. I think is that right. Epiphany Mill, and uh, yeah, I made it a little confusing because we have the Epiphany Mall as well, which is for oh. our merchandise. Thought it was clever, and it just gets confusing. <laughs> it is clever. But... So and tell confusing. us a little bit. Uh, oh, uh-huh. Aaron? I just said it is clever and confusing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, tell us what a little bit about neural reality gaming, and is it similar to the new series I've been watching called um, Peripheral? I've seen a bit about peripheral and I don't know. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, they told uh, me I could get yeah. some uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, reality well, okay. with this. The reason why he has that already is because I ordered his Christmas present, his you know, big present on Amazon. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. he went and opened all the boxes. Oh gosh. So, so he's no like, surprises. oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I was like, well, we can still wrap it and put it under the tree. And he's like, no, that's okay. I hope you don't find it too distracting. So he does have a smaller gift under the tree. There was a gag <laughs> gift box yesterday at our holiday party that was yeah. pet VR. Mm. And you know, inside it was just, it was books, but <laughs> the outside it was a gag box. And, you know, the front was a picture of a dog with, that looked like Phil there. Uh-huh. And the back was a picture of a cat that looked like Phil. <laughs> I cannot even those, imagine either one of those white elephant things where um, where you um, get to steal a gift from somebody or you get stuck with a gift. From white elephant, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. when I bought this, when when I got this, I was like, we should send it back because they promised us we'd get some uh, neuro gaming out of this, and I didn't, I haven't been able to tap into that yet. So no. Boy, well, I mean, we'll bring that down the line, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, on the side, I can't imagine my cat allowing that either. He would, I'd, I'd yeah. be, yeah. I'd yeah. Be, We're really on our old dog. She would have put up with it for about two seconds. Um, that was Lacey. Now, Zena, she would have put up with it because she was too stupid to figure out how to get it off. <laughs> that was a dumb dog. But how does I mean, dog seem like the they might really enjoy it? When we did the blanket test, we put it over her. She was standing. She just laid down and stayed there. What, yeah. what is the blanket test? That's a, a a test for animal intelligence where you put a blanket over them and you see how fast they get out from under the blanket. And the dumbest ones just sit down because their new reality is they're covered by a blanket. I see. Whereas like Lacey, I think it was 15 seconds. In fact, my dad forgot to set the timer and she was already out of from what under the what if they're intelligent but cold? That's a good point, but I don't think Zena was cold since she was a Pomeranian, and there was so much we hadn't had her, you know, her line cut. Right, we hadn't yeah. had her cut recently. Well, Rod, why don't you tell us we, a little bit? We, we had him. We had him on a tangent here. He was in the middle of. Something. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I squirrel easily. We by do the that. Way. Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> love that term. I love it. I'm going to. I'm. I'm stealing it. Because I scroll very easily as well. Oh man! Like, uh, what is it? I I have I have all kinds of things from my when my mom was still with us that say easily uh, easily distracted by books or easily distracted by bright shiny you know shiny objects. Yeah, yeah, that was that was me in school. The notes that went home were regularly saying easily distracted by conversations or you name it. So 
keep me keep me interested in whatever's important and I'll I'll go down the road. So uh, but neural reality. Yeah. Let me um, let me just say this real yeah. quick. Um I had a teacher who sent a note home to complain about the fact that even though I seemed distracted, I could always answer the question. Okay. I'm like, yeah. Well, because I'd be sitting staring out the window. She'd try to trick me, and I'd be like, she's a multitask. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, he's going to mute me now. So what's what's tell us? So like the difference between alternate reality or um, AR and NR. Set us clear. Augmented reality uh, is uh, is basically you're you're putting something that isn't there into the into your scope of view, but it's not actually there. So if you've got the goggles on, um, but you can still see um, a good a, actually a good uh, example of augmented reality would be uh, the Pokemon games, where you can hold up your phone and see a Pokemon somewhere in your actual landscape, but you look past the phone, it's not actually there. It's just the phone is placing it somewhere. Um, virtual reality is what you've got there. You've got the goggles, you've got the ability to now see something that your eyes are telling you is real, but outside the goggles, it doesn't exist. Neural reality, the the closest thing I could probably say that somebody would, would probably remember would be like total recall. Um, a memory that is implanted that you can now remember as your own. You can't distinguish between them. So there are gaming systems that are out there that have been, and it's, it's I say gaming systems, it, this has actually been developed for other purposes to start with, like the government's looking at it for like training, kind of like Neo training in the matrix, uh, learning things and remembering how to do things without ever having done them. Um, and in the gaming world, it would simply be um, playing a game where the game understands who you are. It understands your personality. It understands your, you know, your fears and all of that. It knows your memories and it can build the game based on what scares you, based on what pleases you. And so uh, when you're, when all is said and done, the memories remain with you as if you were actually there, as if you actually were participating in, in it, as opposed to playing a game. So, and that's real tech. So. And that's integral to the to the story we're talking about here. I'm reminded of the movie with Angela Bassett, where they can read people's memories, and it's a oh god, I wish I had it. But any, anyway, <laughs> I don't know. But it's it'll, good. Yeah, it's a really good sci-fi thriller. I was looking at her IMDb, IMDb, and I couldn't find it. But anyway. The, the Sometimes st- Philip likes to watch Angela Bassett movies without me. Oh, I like him. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. who doesn't? She's, She's great. List. I think she did Tina Turner, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but the neuro reality is central to the uh, the story of Endgame. Yep. Um, Packard Campbell is the protagonist. Um, so, why don't you tell us a little bit about? Um, his role in the story. Um, yeah. Give us a little bit of background for the book, a teaser for people to make sure. sci-fi book. Uh, Packard and and the, the reader finds out this out very quickly within the first couple of chapters. Um, Packard is a teenager who has been working for his father's company, Individual Gaming Corporation, which is nicknamed Endgame. Um, and he tests these neural reality games for his father. Um, we find out also that Packard um, is suffering from a neurological disorder that has been destroying his his body's ability to to work. It's just breaking things down, and he he doesn't have a lifespan that's expected to be much beyond his mid twenties. So he 
he and his father spend as much time together as they can. His father's built this, this, the ability to work with him into their daily life by creating this, this job for him. Packard tests the games. Um, and of course, all of these memories have been created in, in, in the gaming world as, as well as in the real world um, and stored in this quantum database, which is quantum computing is very much a thing now as well. So there's quantum databases. Um, all of his memories of the past decade basically have been stored in this neural database. And at some point, Packard is involved in a tragic accident, which leaves him leaves him brain dead. And as a Hail Mary, Packard, uh, Packard's father, Hal, uh, and a colleague uh, who is developing nanotechnology uh, made for medical purposes, combine the two uh, combine the two technologies, the, the the nanotech with the quantum database, in an attempt to restore, basically reboot his brain and bring him back. And um, essentially, the na the nanops, which are the uh, which is the technology itself, um, the 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 combination of the technologies doesn't know what memories are real and which memories are artificial, and so the nanops having the ability to create things and change reality, um, especially after being augmented with the quantum database, start to bring things into Packard's real world because they don't know what's real and what's not. So they're filling in the gaps that are missing in Packard's field of view now. They see what's real and what's there, but they also see that there's a lot of things missing. And so the na uh, the nanops are trying to basically fill in the gaps They're for Packard. Interpolating. Yeah. Okay. So it's a an example of uh, Frankenstein's monster, kind of. Very much. Yeah. yeah. And it all comes from Packard's brain. And he has no idea that this is happening until it's really kind of too far along. Right. Right. And I, I like the way you explained it as um, like the different kinds of memories being hot water and cold water. Oh, yeah, now thanks. they're all the same temperature. That was cool. Now um, they're all just warm. And I, and I do want to say here, I'm always a little nervous when someone reads their own work because uh, not everyone is as good at that as you might think, but you really did it justice. I like the way you used voices to separate the memory situations um oh, and um yeah it, you did good right. I'm, i was impressed i mean and this would be a good opportunity to tell people that they can sample the first six to eight chapters of the book on a, mm -hmm. a podcast that you started yeah, yeah. Uh, over the oh, summer cool. Yeah, yeah, it's called Epiphany Mill Presents the First Third, and I actually intend to do that with any book that we publish as an audiobook down the line uh, to do the first third uh, available on the podcast. And I figure for for an audience, it's a good way to find out if it's even something they. I mean, our our money is hard spent anyway, and mm -hmm. so I've bought audiobooks that I've gotten a little ways into and thought eh, it's not quite what I expected. And I'm, but I'm also not the guy who like takes advantage of the return policy either. So. Uh, I figured if somebody listens to a third and they're interested, then they can either get the book or the audio book or the ebook or, you know. And yeah, and I'm uh, I'm probably going to be buying the audio book. <laughs> Thank you. I am glad you were entertained by the voices, too. I've mm -hmm. I've been working hard on creating those um, 
creating those along the way. So, and I wanted to keep it all organic. So yeah. I was uh, trying to figure I out. I don't know the voices. I just read the print. Ah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, uh, the, the Western scenario. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the inspiration for that voice. Well, funny story. I, uh, no, actually it's, it's Marshall, Marshall blood. Uh, and Marshall it's Packard blood. playing Marshall blood uh, or playing as, and it's, very much kind of like a George W. Bush type of accent <laughs> without being George W. Bush. That's who it kind of was. <laughs> Packard talks like this when he's in that world. And yeah. it's a, it's kind of a joke down the line as Packard doesn't realize that he spoke in that way. Uh, but when Clem, at some point, Clem is going to say, you know, Marshall, you talk actually, you you talk funny now. You don't talk the way I recall. And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, as they come further into it and Packard goes back into the role of Marshall Blood, Clem's going to be like, that's the Marshall I remember. Mm -hmm. And it's going to come out that Hal just as a as a gag voiced uh the Marshall Blood character as a as a Bush, as a as kind of a Bush caricature. Right. And uh, so yeah, Perfect. there's a little little spoiler on that, but that's okay. <laughs> no, it, it, that is exactly now that I put it together, I wouldn't have put President Bush together yeah. with, you know, that. But now that you say it, that is the voice in my head. Just go ahead. Do you do this for uh, us? Would you okay. say, uh, hold on one second. Would you just say <laughs> nuclear? It's nuclear. It's <laughs> nu nuclear. Nu nu <laughs> All right, go ahead. I sir. don't know what everybody else is saying, but it's definitely nuclear. <laughs> um, how oh, is that a uh, an homage? Uh, yes, okay. yeah. Uh, for sure. I thought maybe. And, uh, there's a couple of times that I, Packard mentions that his dad um, even makes little dad jokes about the Hal. You know, I'm sorry, Dave, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it plays back to it. Um, and actually, uh, Packard is uh, Packard's based on Packard Bell, which was one of the original computer systems. And Campbell, their last name comes from uh, Campbell, California, which is where the um, Silicon Valley basically got its got its roots. So I threw a little, little lore nice. into that. Little, little Easter eggs everywhere. Yeah. Man. yeah. I've had some fun with it. Very, very thought out. Well, if you need a beautiful heroine to recite a female character in one of your dramas. <laughs> your hey, voice acting. Uh, I tell you, I don't want to do all of it on my own. So I'm open. <laughs> well, I mean, I haven't started anything and this is pretty much our recording studio as of right now. Plus, I'm working full time still. Right. You know, <laughs> so, she does Marilyn Monroe, Emily Latella. Uh, who else? Uh, he probably doesn't know who. Oh, no, you probably do. Sure he does. Emily Latella. Yeah. I said, sure he does. If he's our age, he probably knows Gilda Radner. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. Gilda Radner was awesome. I mean, she was this one of our favorites. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. All we needed was Gilda Radner and, and Church Lady to, to have a, you know, a conversation. Yeah, square like off. That. Yeah. That's <laughs> missing. That's missing. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah. but I've, I've, I've always wanted to on a kind of on a Saturday Night Live uh, event. And I just this is one of those things that I just think is hysterical. And I wish that it would happen. But I need I need to see Christopher Walken and uh, Jeff Goldblum debating. Like, uh, like, you know, oh my God. I want to have great. them be presidential candidates because they that both have that, you know, incredible. that long drawn out way of talking and, and Walken, you know, he would be so perfectly confusing, like abortion. Wow. Uh, well. You know, 
perhaps we should start drilling for oil again. You know, I, I just like I he the 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 thought the yeah yeah yeah. Well, uh, it, Philip had me muted, but I was going to say, candidate, walk in, you're out of time. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't even talk. That's fantastic. Yes. And I think having Shatner as the moderator, because Shatner oh my God, yes. the only other one that really kind of draws things out quite as much. But I, if Shatner was the moderator, you might not ever get to see them talk because like his all of his moderation would take to and then they'd be like, <laughs> well, so anyway. No, no, yeah, that'd be hilarious. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, uh, the uh, the talk show where the the guy just starts his uh, he loves his thing so much with the Running Man. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. Yeah. what's up with that? What's, what's up, with, up that? with that? Yes, yeah. yeah. But you know, uh, we saw Martin Short and Steve Martin last week. I thought it was going to be a great show. They should have you in the writer's room, I guess. They need someone else in the writer's room. They really whiffed. I mean, they had Steve and uh, Martin Short. and. I mean, you've got Steve Martin and Martin Short, and you can't succeed. Yeah, their banter was just, it was so lost on each other. And it was like, I felt like there was so many opportunities for some fun banter there. But They had uh, them playing the straight men and skits, and then the cast doing the the comedy. Yeah. and so, I mean, that's a bad juxtaposition to begin with. And, um, it, you know, they do the song and dance all the time. Yeah. You know, that, that's what drives me it crazy. Wasted. It was they, unfortunate. They, when he's, they, when he's like, with Martin Short, Steve Martin does kind of a straight man thing a lot. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Only murders. He's pretty much a straight man. I, have, I haven't watched that yet, but I've. That's, oh, that's it's good. Check out. On, it's really good. But on SNL, Fun. I mean, you got two legendary comedians on and you're not utilizing <laughs> But there again, I guess, you know, there could be an age barrier there, I guess. That, well, I don't think that should be. I don't know. I don't think they should allow that kind of thing to get in there. I but think it's um, an age barrier. I, I think it's just I kind of felt, bad week writing. Yeah, I, I agree. W-E-E-K, not W-E-A-K. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think it was. An off week weird. in the writer's room. Yeah. Um, also, I felt like there seemed to be friction between the Martins. Really? I mean, maybe I'm a lot of time together. Yeah. <laughs> and the only time they felt, I think there's always like, friction between. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the only time thing. Steve Martin had a smile on his face was when Selena Gomez came out and hugged him. Okay. So, well, I've heard, you know, I have the feeling she's like the middle child between the two of them. Well, I've heard that this is it for him. He's like, he's on a farewell tour and maybe, maybe, maybe he's tired. Maybe he's ready to go. Or may, maybe. Yeah. They're resenting the end of the series, or maybe he's not enjoying working with them. And it could be, yeah, it could be all of the above. And honestly, Steve Martin, he, is, he does so many things. I feel like uh, there there is a point, and and I, you probably all can get this as creatives. I feel like there are times that maybe you're pigeonholed into one thing, and you think, God, there's so many other things I can do, there's so many other things I'd like to do. And I wonder if maybe he's kind of at that point where, like, oh, how much time do I have left maybe to do all these? He other hit it with stand up, and then he hit it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's got an international reputation with the ukulele. No, the banjo. Yeah. Maybe he's got yeah, a big banjo, banjo yeah. album in him that he's trying to get out. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he's got a or he could have something going on that we don't know about. Maybe there's something in the kitchen with Dinah happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, don't tell his wife. No. No. Uh, funny when you cookies, baby, cookies. Cookies. 
get stay away from my cookies. Nobody told you could have my cookies. <laughs> my cookies, not your cookies. That's good. Do you have a background in acting? I mean, or do you do stand up or anything like that? Uh, I've been told to do stand up, and I never have. I I think it would be fun. I I love yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, where where are you? Where are you located? Out. Where do you live? Uh, actually, northern Arizona. I'm well. I'm about ninety. I mean, specifically your address, and no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but there are people who would just like throw that right out there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Actually, a little town called Star Valley, which is about ninety minutes north of Phoenix, and I don't mind saying that. But we're at five thousand feet, and we woke up with our pipes frozen this morning. So oh, great! No water. And, oh, wow. uh, we had snow and no water. So oh. that was, that was fun. Right. Oh, snow is water. It's just from the sky. I thought about just getting some and boiling it just because, Hey, we have no water, but yet they delivered us a whole bunch on our, you know, so oh, that's cool. They delivered but, water. Yeah. Still, no, you no, might no, wanna, get water delivered. You might want to, you know, <laughs> might want to bottle so, up some of that snow. Did, yeah. did you have pipes burst or anything? No burst pipes that I can tell. It just feels like it's the, the, uh, the, and we've had it happen once before where the main fro freeze is coming to the house. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, once before, and it'll, it'll, once the sun hits the house long enough, it should warm enough to warm up enough to trickle through. And then it'll, I just said it's been pretty cold winter in California by our standards too. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah it's, have, wrapping the pipes for insulation. That's, mm -hmm. it's the main, right? So I don't think that's. Yeah. Unfortunately. No, no, you can still do it. I mean, Home Depot has the stuff. Uh, in fact, if your pipes are anywhere. It's, it's frozen before it gets to those pipes. It's yeah, it's frozen here underground. Ohio, you can't, here in Ohio, you can't build a house with the pipes that close to the the walls overall. They have to be further from the walls. Yeah. This, is, this, is under, gonna... this is underground before it gets to his house. It's frozen. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. it's not in your house. It's not That's in your house. Ah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to go on to church lady and say maybe it was Satan. Satan. <laughs> Could it be? I like it. Oh, I'm gonna so I'm gonna take that. This is an aside. I'm gonna take that and I'm going to uh, use echo on it when you said that when you just said oh. Satan. Um, that, that'll sound wonderful yeah. you know you had mentioned um we were talking about the 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 vacation movies and um and then of course we got on to steve martin and martin short and funny parallel between those actually when i was working in hollywood i had an opportunity and as you've heard many times the the same story a script that gets you know greenlit and then it just it goes absolutely nowhere um but i got to work on two pretty cool screenplays uh one was for a what was supposed to be a a continuation of the Griswold family adventures back when we still had Chevy Chase and the others wanting to be involved. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be, uh, it was going to be mom and dad, uh, older kids are off doing their own thing. And, um, Rusty is now, uh, the owner of Papa Giorgio's, the, uh, the pizza, the, this huge pizza chain. And he is, he's become, he's taken on the role of Nick Papa Giorgio as his identity. Um, and, uh, and, and their daughter is off. She's had kids and they've, you know, they're kind of doing their thing. And dad is sad because, you know, nothing's going on in their lives. And the only time they can get to get them together is for a Thanksgiving vacation. And so he rents a huge, uh, a huge RV and takes the kids and the grandkids on a big last family hurrah. And they break down. Um, they, he takes them to a Indian actual native reservation to celebrate thanksgiving dressed as pilgrims in a uh in a giant rv called the mayflower and of course you can imagine how you know anybody of native heritage would 
right would take right. and so the the and eugene levy was actually slated to play the chief which was hysterical because <laughs> the whole screenplay ends with him and clark making making nice and him giving clark a road queen the, the the original vehicle from the first movie which has been kind of stored away on the reservation and says the family oh, trucks Yes, the family. And he tells him, well, you think you hate it now? Wait until you drive it, Clark. uh, (laughs) Well, take thanks for taking the heat off of Emily Latella. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah, it was. You know what? That would be. Hey, why not? I mean, it was so much. Can it be rusty? You know, he did there taking the heat off. We could get Juliette Lewis to reprise her role as um, as the sister. If we could get Julia Rob Lewis, oh, I, I love, um, is it not Sudeikis, the guy that played Rusty in the new movie? Anthony Michael Hall? No, no. Um, in the new vacation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I know the what you new, mean. new vacation? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't think of his name, but he was in the. Uh... Yeah, he's an SNL alumnus. That's why yeah. I'm making him up with Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. But if we take him, you know, and have him wander. Although we could, we could any adult actor who uh, played one of the teenage ones in the new movie would be like uh, an Easter egg kind of thing that would make vacation vacation people very happy. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Juliet yeah. Lewis reprising the role as um, well, we, uh, we saw Juliet Lewis the sister. What was the sister's name? She's 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 good. And she, She's great. She's yeah, really good at Chippendales, and she is absolutely great in um, uh, the other movie, the other show that she's in, uh, Wild Something. Well, anyway, we're talking about but, casting. Yeah. I think anything you put <laughs> you in, yeah, is going to be better because yeah. he's oh, like sure. funny. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. Wasn't he? Didn't he play an Indian in something? In probably SC, early, probably like SCTV that? or something. Probably so. Yeah, yeah. it was a movie. I remember him as a Native American in a movie for some reason. I probably got that wrong, but I mean, and I and I think it was blasted for not putting a Native American in that role. But yeah. I think what you would have to do there is every other Native American would have to be played by a Native American from that reservation. For sure. Now at this point, yeah. I think you couldn't get away with doing it without having that kind of blowback. No. Back no. then, I mean, everybody it was i mean and not that it makes it right but it was uh everybody was it was kind of a, a regular regular you know it was a i think just putting That's him true. in the role as a just as a gag and kind of as a throwback to the original films could could work right. but otherwise yeah i don't want to tread on that ground anymore that's uh yeah. it's not but the other one that uh that i got to work on that was uh that again unfortunately kind of it, it ended up in development hell as they say um was a sequel to the three amigos and it was called the fourth amigo and um it was uh, jackie chan was going to be the fourth amigo and um they rescued him from a um from slave labor on uh, on a railroad and um so he was going to join the amigos and they basically smuggle him out and he ends up becoming one of the one of the amigos and it was uh, a little a uh, little harder edged uh you know opening story but still just as much fun when it came to the characters interaction so three amigos was that did did we did we did disney distribute that was that a point of vista pictures um i 
forget if that was Buena Vista. It was the actually the people who actually were were working on writing it were the same people that were working on the Thanksgiving Vacation, which was a group of people that were actually from uh, National Lampoons, mm-hmm. but they had they got a hold of the rights to write the script. So it was awesome. It was pretty cool. I can tell you right now, you've you've talked about movies that I would go see. <laughs> I still wish they were made. Thank you, Nell, that I'm a Three Amigos fan. Oh, God, yes. So like, you're, the, you're the one. So. I'm the one. <laughs> three <laughs> Amigos. It's basically that, that what they do on their horses. It's just so funny. Oh, my god. That gosh. connects us back to Fletch, kind of, with Chevy Chase, right? It does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds, because he was actually on board to uh, to take over the role for a while. Yeah. John Hamm's the new Fletch, and it's um, more close to the books i guess which is okay, okay. with me i liked the books yeah. i read them years yeah. ago and i thought holy cow they deviated with the movies but yeah it was all fun. it was all chevy chase ad-libbing a lot of stuff yeah i think well, no, I, I like john hammond the role more than chevy have you chevy. seen it i, I was um, wondering if i haven't is i've it... seen like snippets and commercials <laughs> and trailers probably, probably on apple tv plus which i don't have i haven't seen you know without yet. seeing it i'd have to say I'd have to say Ryan Reynolds instead of John Hamm in that. Yeah, but Ryan Reynolds is closer to Chevy Chase, whereas John Hamm is closer to uh, the well, character. Yeah, I guess I guess that's a good point. Yeah, but I like Reynolds. You know, I guess I'm not supposed to because he's like good looking. He's married. And he's on my list. Married to someone who's on my <laughs> list. And then you know, and then Lisa loves him. You know, passionately. So but, oh, I had a crush on him well before I found out we had the same birthday. But to do now, it's just doubled down. He's a good actor, you know. He's a good. I like. Uh, I like. Uh, what's the name of the movie? The sci-fi movie. Or oh, uh, movie. yeah, Deadpool. Deadpool. Oh, I don't like Deadpool. any sci-fi or no. any that shit, but I like that because he's entertaining. I you know, can't take him to a Marvel movie. It's not happening. <laughs> Have you seen Six Underground? No. No. Six. If you like um, good action espionage. Um, with a hard edge to it. I mean, and it's got a good, it's it's not like light. He, he's got his lighthearted quips that he throws in now and then, but uh, it's a great action flick. It's called Six Underground and mm-hmm. absolutely worth watching. Red Notice was fun. A little more on the lighthearted side. It has The Rock in it as yeah. well. And that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but Six Underground was really surprisingly good. Adventureland's a pretty good movie with Ryan Reynolds in it. He's sort of the, sort of the bad guy in that one. Hmm. I like it when he can take a serious turn. I think it's easier for comedic actors to go serious than serious actors to go comedic. Oh, gosh. When when Robin Williams took his turn at some dark roles. Holy cow. I know, right? It was one of our last. It was one of the last Miramax movies, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had uh, Jesse Eisenberg was the star. Um, who's uh, the Twilight girl? Kristen. Oh, oh, Kristen yeah. Stewart. Oh, Kristen Stewart. Was it the? Uh, they were they were like assassins that were like reacting no, or something. They work at an amusement park. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. That okay. We're still we were still talking about. Uh, yeah. Sorry, you wonder. Yeah, but all the all these famous people are in this movie, and it it wasn't really big. Um, uh, Martin Starr's in it too. From uh, yeah, it's an older and, movie. And uh, I'll look for it. Um, Silicon Valley. Yeah. You, you want to teleport back to earlier in the program? Yes, let's do it. We squirreled, or I squirreled, and I took you with me. Oh, we're all squirrels. Yeah, the name of the movie with Mm -hmm. Angela Bassett is Strange Days. 
Ah, I remember are. when Strange Days came out. Yeah. Um, I don't remember much about it, so I can't talk to whether or not it's a, yeah, a similar I, a similar concept. But uh, I didn't see it, but I'm interested. Is it streaming on some? Yeah, what? I'm sure. It, it we'll has find to, it. That was it. It got good acclaim when it came out. I remember it was. Yeah. Well, it definitely. You know, I'm not going to uh, pretend that I remember the plot entirely, but it it had to do with capturing people's memories. And uh, using them to try to solve uh, uh, actually a, a murder spree, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, probably a serial killer or something. Yeah, that's cool. Let's all watch Strange Days and get back, uh, you know, next month. There you yeah. go. I, yeah, we'll talk. And you guys have to watch uh, Six Underground. And we'll Is it early February? <laughs> we'll touch base. I heard, I heard good things about that, too, on, on a movie review podcast. Six Underground? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is really, really fun. It's uh, actually, I'll tell you, one of my... Uh, my I never followed up on it. <laughs> it's definitely worth watching. Um, if you haven't seen Boss Level, um, that was, uh, that was I think, my favorite action flick of last year. And it's the guy who plays um, one of the bad guys in the Captain America film. He plays uh, Crossbones, and I can't think of... Frank Grillo is the okay. actor. Um, and he's the hero in it and it's fantastic. And, um, and, um, Mel Gibson is the bad guy. So awesome. <laughs> of all things, uh, boss level, uh, since I'm throwing out a couple of recommendations, but, um, I love anything sci-fi, uh, or dystopian or, um, but real science fiction. And if, if any of you is like a, a Star Trek fan, um, Roddenberry, the way he used to write was, uh, he, when he would establish an episode or, um, a technology that would be introduced into an episode, he had a bunch of buddies at like Caltech and down at UC Irvine and places where they had a lot of science divisions. And and he'd reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm putting this into an episode. If this not, if this isn't available now, or if this isn't doable now, do you think based on what we understand about science, it will ever be doable? And if they said, no, if they shook their heads at it, he would, he would scrap it. And if they said maybe even 5,000 years, he'd be like, cool. I, I just want to know that, that somewhere on our understanding spectrum of the understanding of physics, it's might be real. So you said there's a chance. Yes. (laughs) Now, I don't know if you know this, you might, uh, but. Um, in the movie Abyss, they had those like helmets where you could actually see the actors' faces mm-hmm. or under the water. Uh, the Navy appropriated that design and created it for the SEALs. Interesting. I love that life imitates art so frequently. I mean, and if you look at old Star Trek or, you know, I mean, and I just, I say Star Trek as an example, but there are so many old sci-fi series that people look back at and go, holy cow, we're using that tech now. That was... Uh, so, a lot of really old, like Jules Verne stuff too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Jules Verne is a perfect example of that. How much of that stuff wasn't even really, I mean, yeah. he was writing stuff that was submarines. And, yeah. Considered yeah. complete fiction at that time. I think that's, that's fan. Yeah. That's, that's even a better reference, honestly, but yeah. yeah. But Jules <laughs> Verne didn't have anybody to go to and say, Hey, what yeah. do you think? <laughs> he was well, that's what makes- he might have. Maybe. Just not somebody we know about. Yeah. That's what makes brothers. He could have gone to scientists and said, "Hey, in five thousand years, could they do this?" That's what makes knows? Is he from the era? No, no. Tesla would come after that. Tesla, yeah, yeah. I was going to say because if I was writing science fiction back then, I'd find myself a Tesla. Right. So uh, that's what makes Rod's book in game so tantalizing. Mm -hmm. The idea of neuro neural is it neuro or neural reality? 
reality. Yeah. Neural reality. Yeah, neural reality. Yeah. It's sort of like a Westworld like, like scenario as well, you know, sort of um, yeah. where it's a complete sensory uh, uh, buy-in to the game. You know, you, you believe that's your reality. I mean, and that's something that even these goggles, you know, it's really cool. You get, you get um, acrophobia and stuff like that and you get motion sickness. But you, you realize you're in a game. The the concept of being in a game and having it actually be as, uh, you know, have it come, you know, become embedded in your memory. Is cowboy Yul Brenner come after you? Yeah, yeah. That that is tantalizing. That's a tantalizing concept. Mm-hmm. And for it to you know to appear in your book, um, you know, that makes it fun to read. The, the concept that maybe you know it's going to happen. I am so sorry about that. Our power went out. Oh, oh wow. Great. Oh, wow. Put video back on. And uh, uh, now we should all be back. I'm on my cell, on my cell. And uh, the power came back on, but I, I didn't want to make you guys wait while I. Oh, uh, yes. oh no. No, yeah, that's uh, that gives yeah. it a uh, sense of uh, gritty reality there. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. And, uh, the pipes didn't just freeze, but the, the power went down too. So uh, now I'm on the. Apocalypse. Um, apocalypse. Uh, you, you got big <laughs> candles and, uh, you know, your uh, emergency food yeah. stash there. No, no. <laughs> For our boys here, I have to ask you, or for my boys here, I have to ask you, are you something of a baseball fan? Because you um, realistically could regularly go see the Reds uh, preseason games. That's true. And in fact, uh, that's one of the things that I have been, uh, I've been kind of sad about is I, I lived in, um, in the Phoenix area specifically from 03 until 20, the big, very beginning of 2021. And um, I, my dad kept planning on coming out and uh, doing a, you know, going to some, some of the, some of the the preseason Mm -hmm. games. I mean, we never actually got to go. And then I kept thinking, oh, I'm right here. It's, you know, it's like living in Anaheim and not going to Disneyland because, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's so close. And um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I have not been to any of the practice games and it's, uh, it's unfortunate. Now it's an hour and a half down the hill to do it, but um I really want to. I actually, I almost got to sing uh, the national anthem for a, um, uh, who is it? I want to say it's the uh, the Cubs that are there. No. Um, Oh, well, I can't remember now, but one of the teams, uh, I got to audition for it and I was like there, I was their reserve uh, voice for the national anthem for one of the games. And, um, and they said, oh, hey, our singer called in she's she's sick she can't do it and so i was ready to go and then they called me the morning of and said up oh, she's better now <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow she took a lozenge <laughs> all the reds games are, pra- are practice games now so we get to see them too so um, but you get the reds his i think your video is frozen rod are you still there oh i think you did well let's talk let's let's close it out with a little bit of talk about uh once he comes back oh, he's back he's i'm back some video games because I know Rod is a video game uh, aficionado, <laughs> and that's also central to the plot of Endgame. But uh, you know, we have we all. I think we all have some favorite video games. You know, from our yeah lexicon here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go uh, like my first one when I was in college. It, I, I remember going on campus and playing Punch Out. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and in an arcade. Yeah, <laughs> I, I spent yeah. a lot of coin on that. Um, then there was like Gauntlet, um, Outrun, Gauntlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a 
That was a old standard. And then uh, Outrun. Remember Outrun? That's the one where you had the rocket launcher on the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It played. It played like the Peter Gunn theme or something. Yeah. Yep. I, I remember loved out, uh, Outrun. That I yeah. you'd sit in it actually and and drive it. That that was. Right. Yeah. And it felt like totally, uh, you know, cutting edge. It's like yep. the because your movement, the sense of movement was never captured by any other video game prior to that. It no. was always. You know, you're, Jerky. you're, you're a still thing on the screen. You can move that and the screen kind of has a fixed way of, but this seemed, um, dynamic and, uh, like a, you know, like a bigger world. Smooth. So, yeah. Plus you can blow up shit. So that was battle cool. zone. Do, do, do you guys remember that one? It was like a green line drawing thing and you had two sticks. You go forward and back and turn. You're driving a tank. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I think when you'd get hit, those things would shake. Yeah, <laughs> and it would put a crack on the screen. Yeah. That was like the predecessor to that Star Wars, uh, that that vector based Star Wars game where you'd fly into the Death Star and you had all the pylons around you. And yeah, that was cool too. I held the high score on that game for a, well over a year when I was a kid when it first came out. I I I and it was a fluke. I I never yeah. repeated it. But I hit two million on that game one day, and I it was like nice. it was like straight out of an '80s movie where like the kids are all standing around going, "Oh my God, is he gonna?" I hit two million, and of course, because it allows three initials, I just put Rod, and mm-hmm. uh, so I was at the top of that list for well over a year. And then one day they unplugged the game and reset it because <laughs> oh, <laughs> they couldn't oh, get my oh. name. <laughs> Brutal! Like you couldn't even like, take a picture with your cell phone. I like the Seinfeld no. episode with the Frogger. Yes. <laughs> George yeah. had the high score. <laughs> he wanted to take. He wanted the machine to take home, but it, you know he hired somebody to keep the electricity going all the way. And then he couldn't cross the street because of the traffic. He's oh, froggering his way. Trying to frogger the machine that, across the street. Yeah. The irony in that. That's oh, that's yeah. brilliant. He had to dive out of the way as a semi came. I think. Oh, <laughs> that's a great memory. I, I didn't I remember. Really I remember the scene of him going across the street, Frogger style, but I did, yeah, I didn't remember that episode. Forgot too. about that. Yeah. Holy it, it, was, it was all because he had it the high like score. A, and, a semi would be allowed to me yeah. that street. He, he Probably. Been, <laughs> yeah, I had a could um, have been a garbage truck. That would have been perfect, actually, where they are, where they are. So, yeah, yeah when I was a kid, um, my dad, uh, I gosh, I was probably seven or eight years old, and I remember my dad brought home. Um, a pong game and um he was uh he was selling insurance for Allstate, and they were like a division of sears at the time and he they gave they were giving them away and to like the top performers because those things were hard to come by at the time and so he ended up bringing home this uh this pong game yeah and he had the off-brand panasonic version of the pong game yeah, and it was magic in the beginning. I mean, before anything else came out, and we didn't know that there what was possible. Pong was just a, amazing, and it just blew our little minds. And uh, my brother, I mean, if I was seven or eight, my brother is five years younger than me, so you can imagine. We were just these little kids just engrossed in a ball being, you know, set yeah. across the screen by paddles that we could control. It was amazing. And, um, and then when I was 10, I got my first Atari system, and uh, – I still have it. It's hooked up to our 65-inch big screen with all of the games still there. Oh, 2600. Wow. What's that? The, the Atari 2600, the one with yeah. the cartridges. Yeah. 
Yep. All the cartridges. I have a ton of cartridges and uh, I, I kind of jerry-rigged it finally to actually work with our TV so I can switch, mm-hmm. you know, switch over and play it. And my, my oh, mother-in-law man. got us paddles to, to actually replacement paddles. And so, uh, or joysticks rather, but yeah. yeah. You have kids? I do. Yeah. My son just turned 21 a few days ago and my daughter is 16 and um, they love games. And to them, Atari would be like um, me asking them to, you know, go someplace on a horse and buggy. (laughs) That's what I was wondering. I had, I had one a few years ago. I found on Craigslist with about a dozen cartridges or so. And I hooked it up and, you know, my kids jammed on it for a few days or, you know, a week or two. And, um, you know, then they were done with all of it, really. But there were some really bad games. There some I never some got the hang games. of. Haunted yeah. House. I still don't get that. Haunted House was one of the worst. And we waited so long. I remember my brother and I waited in a in a shop for like five hours from there to release it. And oh, uh, terrible. Got it home. It was terrible. MASH is the worst game. MASH is just as bad. I, MASH was I in the Indiana Jones game. And you had to have like a special controller that was like, you know, 80 yeah. bucks just to play the Indiana Jones game. And it was, was awful. It- was that the one that they made so many of them and anticipated so many sales that they had a, a, they had to uh, throw it into land uh, landfills? That and was it, actually ET, I think. Yeah, um, ET. That's another ET. bad game. Yeah, but uh, but Indiana Jones was just as bad. I just don't think it got the the same press that yeah, ET. Did, I didn't. I, I don't terrible. think I had Indiana Jones. I don't think I played that one. I still have it, and I, someday, just you know, if I'm ever feeling really depressed, I might just you know. I might just pop it in or something and torture yeah. myself even more. One of my favorites is the the little tank battle one that comes with it. I think that came with it. That was always great. Yeah. Like they put best foot foot forward and there were the uh the pilot the the uh the fighter pilot games that were they were pretty fun. If they were vector based and able to kind of mm-hmm. give some some depth to them then they were pretty fun. I loved adventure too. And I I make yeah. a reference to that in in Endgame where they talk about uh finding the dot in the room, you know, and uh is, uh, one. Pitfall was a good one. Oh, I love Pitfall. Pitfall was great, and Pitfall had a couple of uh, a couple of uh, follow ups to it too, which was terrific. And then uh, I got to say, you know, once the Nintendos came around, I mean, uh, the NES, the Super NES, those were fun. Um, uh, Mario Brothers Three, I think, was my my absolute favorite. Mm-hmm. It just had so much. It it had evolved so much at that point, and. Uh, and then uh, it ended up like the last I, we don't have a PS5. I, we have a PS3 and a PS4 because I, those were very much generational for my kids. Yeah. And um, and uh, being I was I was divorced. I'm married again, but I was divorced. So my kids would come over and we would one of the things they loved doing was just, you know, spending time doing family gaming over the weekend. Mm-hmm. So I got the PS3 and the PS4 and we have a bunch of games. We have all of the Skylanders characters and all of the Disney infinity characters here. That's cool. And uh, I hate, the, I, I love the PlayStation, but I hate their business model. Now I can't stand the idea that th- this thing's been out. The PS5 has been out for over a year and yet you still have to go on waiting lists and you still, have, yeah. I can't believe and it's still $600. I feel like that they're intentionally, uh, producing it that way i, I yeah. feel like that it's a it's a work to keep uh, it constant. planned obsolescence i felt like that from the very beginning I, with them i got a text from nick's nick one day he said okay 
uh, my my niece has uh, two PS5s that just came into the Walmart she works at. She said, do you, do you want me to pick one up for you? And I'm like, well, how much is it? And he's all oh, like $600. I'm like, hell no. I mean, it's like, I've got a plan to buy some. And, and it's just a throwaway thing. You know, I don't have time to play that much. I'd love to have one. But yeah. I, when I'm ready to buy one, I want to be able to walk in somewhere and buy it. I'm offended by the idea that that they're, I feel like they're working it. It's a uh, it's, the, I feel like it's the a market that there's so few of them that makes the market makes it more. strategy. Supply and demand. I feel yeah. like that they could produce more, and I feel like they're not. So it bothers me. Yeah. Uh, That's my PS4 <laughs> goes. The only reason we got a PS4 is we happened to be at GameStop the day before his birthday. And there was a little sign saying one hundred dollars off. Yeah. So I went ahead and bought it well. for his birthday. It's still a good system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the PS4. Um, and yeah, let me ask, what played... do you guys think about Shadowrun? You ever played Shadowrun? I haven't I played Shadowrun. It was an Atari, and now it's a. Uh, it was a. Sega. It's on the. Oh, it's it was a Sega. Whatever it was, it was not the. I'm not talking about the version. Okay, if it's got a game where it's got the perspective thing. I die within three minutes facing the ceiling or the floor. <laughs> it's just all there is to it. I cannot for you. figure it out. Or it's so I've given, up, I've given up on the newer gaming. I want him to get me the system that had the old shadow run, and I'll play that again. It's probably, it's probably one down in the basement. I'll go look. <laughs> now, I'll watch him, you know, play like, for instance, we we did Eco together. And what we did was um, I would help a lot with the puzzle solving while he did all the movement. Well, I think both of those are co-op games. Okay. Both Shadowrun and Ico are co-op games, so we could play them together. So Lisa okay. and I bonded over those games. Yeah. Um, cool. But yeah. the Shadowrun original one was not, I don't think. You were asking if the, you were starting to ask if we played a game. Uh, Please. Oh. But was I? Yeah. You, you were starting to ask, did you have you ever played? And then they asked about the Shadow Run. Oh, um, yeah, I did. It was it wasn't really important, but uh, the PlayStation Move, uh, which is kind of the uh, uh, it was like um, I forget um, Mike uh, the uh, Microsoft system had their own as well, but it's uh, it's basically where it tracks your movement and and such. And I'll tell you, those were talk about family oriented games. Just being able to like get the one you dance play. on. That yeah, similar to that. And then this one had like sports champions where you could like fire a bow and arrow. You had two different uh -huh. things on your hand. So it would it would simulate the movement. There was Frisbee golf and some pretty cool stuff. And even like cool. a Dungeons and Dragons type of one where you had one for each hand and you had a sword and a shield and you'd kind of go through the this yeah. Dungeons and Dragons world on. Uh, it was kind of like a like gauntlet, but updated, but only for one person. So okay. but it was, we had a Wii. I guess we still do, but. We need batteries for the controllers. Ah, yeah, very much like the Wii. It was basically Sony's answer to the Wii, and uh, yeah, the, Wii, the Wii was huge. One went uh, one Christmas, and everybody it seemed like everybody got one for their kids. Yeah, but, I don't know. By the next, I, I went. I, we got one. Mm -hmm. By the next year, I took it to GameStop, and they said, "Oh, that's worth about thirty bucks." Yeah, <laughs> the trade in for any of that stuff was awful. It was just yeah. dismal. Yeah, no, didn't, didn't ours die? Well, no, it was in perfectly great condition. I took it in a store, and it's like nineteen year old kid looked at it and said, "Yeah, yeah, I give it thirty bucks for it." And I was like, "Nah, never mind." That's anyway. Yeah, it was. It was. Well, I mean, there's a lot of great games uh, that we, you know, didn't get to here, but uh, you know, the games yeah, the, really. The Wii, the Wii was my daughter's. That you know, 
they're they're married and after they had their first kid i guess for whatever reason they were they didn't want it anymore and gave it to us before that aside from the atari that i got on craigslist i had growing up an atari and then a coleco vision and i didn't ever get a nintendo a sega any of that stuff yeah um so i figured anytime i had spent to spend on games i could spend programming which i kind of did for that's the part of 20 years there you play those games when you're done, you're like, holy crap, I just spent two hours doing absolutely nothing. You know, it's like, yeah. Not everybody sees it that way. I know they don't, but I but I certainly do. I mean, I enjoy the hell out of it, but mm-hmm. all right. Well, it would be good to have the when I go to when I go to Haley's house, it's fun to play the baseball game with my grandkids. It's kind of realistic. It's so well, awesome to see the real players and with your gang with your grandkids, yeah, that's quality that's quality it's, time. It's fun. Yeah, we'll do a home run derby and I'll get all the old timers. <laughs> Same thing right. with my kids. That's exactly why I had the game systems, honestly. Yeah. I wasn't going to be using them much, but man, to 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 play it with my kids and to have that be quality time spent, it's yeah. you know, and it's irreplaceable. So right. yeah. But, yeah, no, you were, you were, uh, I don't know. If you're winning after three innings, they want to fail. <laughs> They're gone. Yeah, you had mentioned there was a uh, like a, a connection between the games and the books, and and so in the in the book series, in fact, I've got a website that um, is for individualgaming.com. I put it together. I just that out. It. Oh, did you find it? How cool! It was yeah. uh, well, you put it in the book. Yeah, I figured. And I, I wonder if that's real. <laughs> and there's, I even yeah, a lot of like a lot of like placeholder links. I think you only have one or Very two much. of the games ready. Yeah, yeah. And um, ideally, what we'd like to do down the line, and in fact, I know you guys talk to a lot of people. So if anybody ever comes along that seems to fit this, uh, you know, or if a listener knows somebody who'd be into this, but uh, we um, eventually down the line, line, what we'd love to do is partner up with a game company and uh, see about either creating an end game game, which would just be kind of an all inclusive platform, which would have Packard, you know, traversing all of the different worlds. Uh, or release the the actual games as individual titles, which would be kind of fun. And yeah. uh, it sounds it like would be a <laughs> awesome project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it, we've laid the groundwork, and we've tried to create un- very unique games for you know uh, for Packard's world, so that as these things start to become reality in his in his world, um, it it feels familiar in that there are some games out there in the real world that or in our world that are you know, similar it, 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 with similar uh, themes, but with a unique perspective or a unique set of, you know, characters or villains or whatever else. So um, that I thought it could be a lot of fun to actually kind of create that, that world. Uh, it, it, it is very meta then suddenly it's like, which came first? Well, right. <laughs> yeah. What were you going to say, Lise? Uh, I just wanted to say, you guys talked about your like gaming triumphs. Um, the first and only game that I was ever the lead in my family was Pong. It was Pong. And I pretty much triumph at Pong, and that's where I'm still. Well, we got yeah. to get you a Pong system then. No, uh, no, I went Shadowrun. If we can get a new, uh, whatever system it was on. Yeah, I think that, it's Sega. The cartridge one. My, yeah, I think you're right. Well, it's, Pong yeah. was Atari. Mm-hmm. Atari, yeah. I, I yeah. thought it was Atari. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pong was, uh, and then we had Nintendo. Um, as a teenager, my great shame is that my mother skunked me across the board on Frogger. I mean, <laughs> she just she just ran that game. 
I feel uh, like we could go on for quite a while. He Costanza, uh, do you? Um, I wanted to ask um, about the sequel, NPCs. Is that written already or in progress? It's about a third done, actually, and um, I'm pretty excited about that. Since you've read the uh, the first one, you kind of know where where Packard was yeah. left off with, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, except yeah. that, um, <laughs> yeah, you do plug this. You do plug part book two at the end. Yeah, it's definitely on the horizon. Um, in fact. Uh, having been in the publishing industry for quite a while, I, uh, um, I was looking, I mean, you have to really think about who your audience is and, um, where we are with writing a young adults, you know, series or publishing a young adult series. I, I don't necessarily have the same leeway as someone like Stephen King. First, I don't have the following, um, but also, um, young adults don't have the same, um, longevity as readers, as a typical yeah, adult that's audience. That's a good point. Before, yeah. uh, by the time the third book comes around, they're full adults. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so we've we've set a nine-month gap between each release. So at least as long as there's interest generated, um, you know, maybe even though they've become adults, they're, they're still interested yeah. in the characters and the direction. Um, I had a lot of good beta readers from different age groups. Uh, ranging everywhere from, you know, about 13 up until up into about 70. So yeah. uh, and I got good feedback from all groups without, you know, anybody feeling like it was too confusing or too. Uh, you know, I tried to make some. This was, this was well written. I usually spot a lot of mistakes and oh, things that I, I read and I am, I, nothing glaring in this that I can remember. Thank you. I was, I tried to be really, I'm very careful when it comes to like creating timelines and. It took me a little while to realize that at first that it's coming from the point of view of, you know, an adolescent boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of that's, and, that's, and you, that's, you can kind of see him grow as the, I think, or mature as the book moves on sort of. I appreciate that. That's yeah, that's, that was, that was definitely by design. And yeah. um, if any of you has read uh, the Harry Potter books or even seen the movies, mm -hmm. um, I really respected what Rowling did with um, the all of the kids and and all of the characters in general, the ability to take them and start them off as actual children, uh, excited about becoming wizards, and you know it's a brand new world, and they're all you know everything is cool and fun, and they go in and play the games without you know um, you know as they're playing the giant chessboard and whatnot, and it, nothing feels overly dangerous. We realize that it is, but to them, it's just it's just fun and games. And as the stories evolve, so do the characters' understanding of the world around them and the danger that, you know, and the, and the consequences. Mistakes, and, yeah. Yeah. And so I thought um, Packard is going to have to learn, and he hasn't gotten to this point yet uh, because he doesn't really realize that the stakes are real. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and at some point, he's going to have to find out that what's happening in his in his world, not just it doesn't just affect him or his dad. Uh, or the NPCs that he comes across, but everything around him. Yeah. So, and there are consequences for his actions or inactions. And uh, so, yeah, very much like what Rowling did with uh, with the evolution of the characters and the storyline in Potter. I, I just felt that was really well done because it can take a young adult audience and transition them into an adult audience. Um, yeah. And if I create a compelling enough story, I can bring adults in at the young adult level and still yeah. enjoy it. I mean, yeah, I read the Harry Potter stuff as an adult, obviously, because it, that's when it came out. Yeah, same. Yeah. yeah mostly yeah. read it, read the first few while my wife was pregnant. She'd have me read it to her while she was. Oh, that's in cool. The, uh, 
Yeah, while we were waiting to uh, give birth, and then we kept it going. That is very cool. Yeah, my wife actually, when I when I write, um, she will read uh, when I whatever I've written written for the day. Um, when we settle in for the evening, she'll actually read through it out loud. And she's from Boston, so I get to hear Packet and everybody uh, else with a with a Boston nice. accent, which is fantastic. Nice. Yeah, so it's one of the oh, characters she has in to do a female character, like a female Packard. Yeah, one of the characters in there has the Boston accent in the. Uh, in yep, the it's Hex. There. She's Hex. a yeah. teenage Tyrannosaurus, actually. So, uh, uh, Tyrannosaurus Hex, that's her name. So, Tyrannosaurus Hex, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in fact, I'm going to use her as, uh, uh, in fact, that's the one voice that is not going to be, uh, mine throughout the books is, uh, is I've, I've asked her Hex. and she's very yeah. camera shy, but, uh, she agreed to do the, the voice for Hex as it moves forward. So, oh, that's, uh, a, that's awesome. Yeah. Doing that together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll still do Becky, who is a teenage girl, and I'll do all the others. But I thought, man, what an opportunity. I've got this this dinosaur that has this voice. And and, uh, you know, for my wife to be able to do that, I thought it'd be a, it'd be a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. Lisa, you had something. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to say that um, I actually do enjoy young adult fiction um, as much as if not more than the more adult fiction, because I don't necessarily enjoy a five minute, you know, sex scene. I don't need to read yeah. that necessarily. It doesn't have to be there in most cases. And young adult I really doesn't so. have it. Yeah. Because you're yeah. not allowed to be explicit. Well, there's a pink bra. Well, yeah, but, you know, she's not taking the bra off, <laughs> seductively walking toward him. And, uh, no. you know, no, I think the rest that. of you can put your uh, your own adult spin on the rest of that story. <laughs> Well, yeah. you know, Rob's been very gracious with his time, here, yeah. so she'll probably wind down. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else, Aaron? Um, no, I'm usually at the end. Yeah, we ask if you have any social media or links to plug. Yeah. I know there's independentgaming.com, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or individual gaming, actually. Individualgaming.com. Individual. Um, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. And there's, I, it's funny. I, I, I heard you say it and I almost didn't do it. <laughs> I almost um, agreed with it. It sounded right. I'm, I'm glad uh, you, I'm glad you fixed it. Yeah. Individualgaming.com. Yeah. Um, Individualgaming.com. Uh, um, you can find information about the, uh, well, it's in, and it's basically, it's just for fun. And then there's a link on it that says um, find merchandise, which actually goes directly to the books. Um, and then my, my personal website is rodrgarcia.com. I always use the R in it because um, apparently there's so many Rod Garcias out there. It's more than one. <laughs> hard to yeah. find me. Yeah. Um, and then epiphanymill.com is actually our, um, that's the publishing company. So um, if somebody was interested in, you know, in looking at other authors as well, and that's the thing I always remind people, if, if my work isn't exactly what they're looking for, we do have other authors. We have a great detective fiction series that we're, we're, we've been publishing as well. And, um, another young adult series that actually parallels, um, the end game series, um, but by an author named Edmund J. Gray and cool, the elastic giraffe and Pharaoh from uh, the, uh, the, the lion, the dreadlocked mm-hmm. lion. Um, they're both in that series. So oh, wow. uh, a lot of parallel awesome. characters. Yeah. There's a ton of parallel characters that actually are from other books. Gifted is actually a series of books that will be coming out. Um, and incidentally, uh, back to the Hollywood thing, I, I had, um, 
Nicolas Cage was interested uh, when he was still when he still had Saturn Films before his uh, his unfortunate uh, bankruptcy mm-hmm. um, was interested in producing Gifted as a as a film series. And oh, wow. uh, it kind of it kind of fell through, which was unfortunate. Well, but our friend Al about that. He, she's a huge. Yeah, she's uh, and she does production. Who is um, this now? Oh, our, our friend LD a, from a, a uh, friend from some other podcasts. She's, yeah, um, she, she's yeah. Go ahead, Aaron. She's got her own pro- podcast, Rock and Roll Heaven, which we plug almost every episode. It seems like where they yeah. uh, it's they do deep dives into the lives of of musicians that have passed away. Oh wow! But um, her other one of her side gigs is she's. Uh, an assistant producer on a podcast called basic with um, a guy that used to be um, what a programming guy at Paramount or something. I don't know. Yeah. He was at, he worked at MTV and all kinds, you know, right. All kinds of, and it's about basic cable. Oh, how cool. And, and um, they have, uh, you know, various guests from old, usually from old shows and they come on and, you know, right. Talk, talk about, talk about the old days of basic cable when they first got cable, what their favorite ever cable show is, basic cable show is that they're not involved in. Right. They've had like Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you talked about, you know, Ben Stein. Brian Cranston. Yeah. How cool. Yeah. And then LD White. Uh, yeah. is, uh, she also works on the American Idol shows. Oh yeah. She's a casting producer. Yeah. Casting producer or something like that. Yeah. But she's she's also yeah, she does have the Nicolas Cage obsession. Right. She loves she saw <laughs> Bad Lieutenant too, I think. That tells you how good how much of a he Nicolas was, Cage. Oh was. no, he was in there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Lisa, do you have any final words for Rod? Um, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had uh pointed out, highlighted, <laughs> or discussed? Uh, no, you know, not that I can think of. Honestly, I, I think the one thing that I always I always try to share, especially as uh, both a writer and a and a publisher is um, is that for anybody out there who's thinking about pursuing, um, you know, pursuing writing or is writing and is not quite sure what direction to go. Um, one of the questions I always get is whether or not they need a publisher. And um, I, I first it's important just to stick with it. First drafts are first drafts for a reason. Don't ever expect perfection. Uh, as your writing is so important to remember just to get it down on paper and then you can work on editing it. You can work on, you know, massaging it into what you expect. Uh, if you have a good editor, that's gold. My wife is my editor and I'll tell you, I can't imagine doing this without her. Um, mm-hmm. it, it makes all the difference in the world, but having a good editor is huge. But the other thing I always want to tell people is, um, if you're only going to be writing a couple of books, you know, maybe it's a self-help book or a cookbook or, uh, or uh, like a martial arts manual or something that you're an expert in. Um, self-publishing is wonderful. Uh, I know I'm a publisher, so people always expect me to say, hey, you should, you know, you need a publisher. Uh, but self-publishing is wonderful because I, obviously the in the with social media, we have an ability to get stuff out there in ways we never could before. Um, nobody will ever market your stuff more passionately uh, or harder than if you feel like you can take it on. Uh, nobody would ever market it more passionately than you will. And if you can put the time you put into writing your book into marketing it, then it, it's kind of a solid recipe for success already. Um, when I tell people a publisher is important is if you do have, first of all, if you feel completely unable to to market it, social media is just a mystery and you can't get it out there, then it's it's not a bad idea to solicit an agent or a, or a publisher. 
But if you're going to be writing more than two books, three or more books, um, then there comes the point when your writing can suffer because you're putting so much time into marketing. And, uh, and now one or the other is going to suffer. Either you keep writing and you never market, and nobody knows you exist and it becomes discouraging, or you, um, or you market so much that you never get to continue your work and suddenly people are wondering when the next book is coming and you don't know. So yeah. hopefully that makes sense, but I just feel yeah, like yeah. so many authors out the there. The rule of thumb, two, two or more, more than two books, you need a publisher. Yeah, I really feel or, like it's a pretty good... you would recommend a publisher. I would recommend it, yeah. And there are some people out there, again, who have enough connections or have enough, uh, you know, I mean, if you're someone who's reestablishing yourself and you've got a huge following, maybe you still don't need it. You know, you've got yeah. your marketing will work itself out. But for most people trying to market, uh, it becomes mostly a full-time job anyway. And that's why I say, write what you're going to write and then market it passionately or find someone to help you do it. We have social. Twitter. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Instagram. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Facebook. Yeah, uh-huh, pod. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week. Hey.